Welcome to another episode of Who Gives a Hoot Season 2. I'm here with Ryan. Ryan, you there? I'm here. Uh, and, and Ben? Yes, hello. Playing Hurt again today. Oh, you know. And yeah. uh, as always, I, I'm here. I'm Luke. No, you're probably <laughs> sick of me at this point. So we're, we're just going to jump into it. We've got a, an exciting interview with former captain of U, uh, UO coming up. But let, let's um let's go through the UO news. Ben, I'm going to let you lead that off. Yep, there we go. That's the UO news segment. Let's move on. <laughs> all right. All right. I, I guess this has been an exciting week, uh, past week um, throughout the league. No. Uh, yeah. We've got USL Summit coming up next week, and there have been a couple couple new teams and announced in the past past month. We have one joining us, filling that Orlando vacancy. Uh, yeah. for, for the 2021 season with um, North Carolina FC, um, the you know the the Railhawks, if you will. Are we going to um, learn what a Railhawk is with them in the league now? Um, well, I, I'm just going to if we if we bring them on as the Railhawks, that's another bird. I got. I'm good with that. Yeah, I mean it's a yeah. bird that hangs out near a train station. What like yeah. it's fine. I, I, I mean, Railhawk. it sounds like sounds like a hawk that's probably at my house. Perfect. Um, I, Go find one. I think it's exciting because I think Wake Med is one of the classic soccer stadiums in america yeah and i think that's exciting and then a little i don't know if this is a little known fact but uh the coach dave stracken i believe i believe that's the last name pronunciation his son is an assistant coach at Creighton. oh that's fun yeah huh. and, and, and he was an interim coach of the u.s men's national team yeah that's what and, i was gonna say that that's a bigger i think the big thing there <laughs> Well, it, based on the the rumor mill, it sounds like we're probably going to have a Carolina division. You know, there, there's a lot of rumors going around with with teams in the Carolinas, new and existing, and where they're going. Welcome, uh, North Carolina FC. Um, I'm assuming you probably are trying to draw up as much as you can with League One, so you might actually have tuned in. If you have, I'm sorry, but <laughs> let, let's move to uh, to a couple brand new teams that have announced okay. in 2022. The, I will say one thing I'm, I'm I'm curious about with North Carolina dropping down with NCFC dropping down is what the roster looks like. You know, how many of those guys that commanded the higher championship, maybe level pay are willing to drop down and how many, you know, so are they going to have to completely rehaul that roster? Oh, That's sweetie. Oh, sweetie. Higher <laughs> championship level pay. As I said, let's move to 2022 and hope that <laughs> higher championship level pay comes then. So with, with 2022, we have two teams, two Western teams that have announced. We've got yeah. uh, Fresno, or wh- what is it? Uh, Central Valley Fuego. Yes, Fuego. I, I really, really like that. Um, bringing, bringing back Fresno, we had one player and uh, their significant other on, on our team last year. Yep. Um, Sam Howard. Fresno. Fresno. Gianna's, bo- Gianna's boyfriend uh, played on our team. Gianna's from Fresno, so we're real excited for, yeah. for that. No, they they gave us so much hope for what that possibly can come. And I was gonna say, my understanding is that they know quite a few of the people, not just in the ownership group, but that are helping get that restarted too. So when I talked to them last before they left Omaha, they were really excited about about that team getting started back up because they really respected a lot of the people that were. They were putting that that project together, so I think that's really cool too. Yeah, and I love bringing back that Fuego name because that was their USL two um, side name, and then got got cut when they brought in the C team. And you no, know, that that's just drawing on a team that has some history there. 
and really, really bringing that back into the community, which I, I love when you get a new team that's able to do that. I mean, Fresno Fuego kind of uh, rolls off the tongue a little easier, but I'm excited about the name too. Yeah. Uh, ben, I'm going to let you talk about this next one. Great. Yeah, this is all you, man. I mean, I don't uh, – Northern Cal- Colorado FC in Fort Collins. Uh, are you saying NCFC? We already talked I think about it. I think it's NOCO FC. Um, I mean, I'm going to just go ahead and call it the team in Fort Collins until they have a name. That's okay. <laughs> oh, no. See, I think this is their name because the same ownership group owns a minor league baseball team, and they're changing their name because they're moving from Utah to Northern Colorado Owls, which is their baseball team. So I think they're going with Northern Colorado FC. Well, that's fair. Um, you know, I've been to I've been to Fort Collins a few times. I have a few good memories up there. I'm excited for them. I think it's great. I think it's a perfect market for our league, and obviously an excellent road trip for Buho Nation. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I mean, it's a straight shot. I, I find no problems there. We we'll have somebody who who's just a state over, even if it is the long end of the state. Uh, okay. As well as having a great soccer community there, Colorado is always seems to have always embraced soccer pretty fully. You absolutely Rapids fan um, may have a different uh, different opinion out there than I do, but I, I do admit like, they have a there's a fan base there. Well, one of my favorite Rapids players was from Fort Collins. Oh. Um, and uh, yeah, oh nice, yeah, yeah, uh, passed away last year, like crazy brain aneurysm or something. So rest in peace, Colin Clark. But so hopefully there'll be like a little Colin Clark memorial at uh, whatever crazy multi-sport complex they're building out there. But I do think... Future um, legends. Wait, what was that? Future legends. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Future legends multi-sport complex. So I, In I, Windsor. I hope they pay a little respect to the old legends. Um, my wife's aunt and uncle live in Windsor. So that should be, you know, Vicky and Chuck, if you're listening to this, see you guys soon. <laughs> yeah, no. And, uh, you know, I, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a really exciting thing for the league. And like, I kind of like that Omaha continues to be like the big city in the league. I think that's a fun thing too. Yeah. Have seen a, a rumblings of a few other teams that rumor has that they'll be announcing for, for 2022. But again, until that, <laughs> Um, got New Hampshire and the one I've been touting since before they really started too much noise uh, with Portland. Uh, I Maine. got for you on, on Portland, Maine. What, what do you got? Okay. So, you know, the USL to Portland recently released their streetwear line with the yep. mm-hmm. Fourth City FC tag, which is super cool. My yeah. father, who lived in Maine for uh, 30 years, had never heard of Forest City. Is it some, is that a name you are familiar with? It, it's one of those monikers. Forest City, you get Portland is referred to as the Forest City, but that's the same sort of thing as you get Forest City USA sort of deal. I never uh, referred to it as for as like a Forest City, but it, it's a cool moniker. Uh, uh, if yeah. you're trying to pull pull away from the lighthouse and the coastline and all of the the lighthouses that are in South Portland and Cape Elizabeth and everywhere else there. But get use what you have. I no, I'm, so, I'm uh, super into it. But I strolled, I strolled into my folks' house over the weekend wearing a Forest City FC shirt, and was like, "Dad, you know what this is?" And he was like, "I have no clue." 
was <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, well, maybe it's not as common as I thought. Is well, Forest City art the, already a team in existence? No, uh, there's not no. a forest, but not Forest City. Okay. I just, uh, right I mean, now, uh, Portland only has a USL2 team, the GPS Phoenix, uh, okay. which actually Dalton played for. I guess my question would be, if you're Portland, Maine, do you avoid anything to do with trees, considering that the MLS Portland, <laughs> Oregon side is the Timbers? That's a great uh, question. <laughs> friend of the pod, Jeff, Jeff Kaufman, yeah. huge Seattle Sounders fan, loves to bring up that uh, Roger Levesque, or Levesque, being from the Portland area, played for the Sounders. <laughs> So uh, I would I would honestly love to see that U.S. Open Cup, but I, I think New Hampshire seems to be having has more consistent traction, has more consistent business level traction rather than just hype level traction. That's what Charlie Davies, yeah, New Hampshire's yep. greatest player, yeah. and and it seems like they've got they've been working under the radar for a lot of things and just starting to get that hype now that they have a basis there. And if they watch for 2022, that that'll be a fun, fun group up there. But I'm really excited uh, that Charlie Davies is involved because he was one of my favorites. I remember walking back from the bar to my office and crying in 2010 because he hadn't made the World Cup roster. So <laughs> I was well, over. I will. I will add. Well, I like the. Well, let, let's move. I like the markets are going on. after too. U.S. national team. Oh, uh, perfect segue to 2020. We're, we're moving yeah. ahead of year because they're supposed to be launching a USL2 team uh, this year in, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, another potential road trip. I'm going to let Ryan talk a little about this because I think this is one he's most hyped about. Yeah, I mean, I think the pre, the coolest thing is you got Beasley, right? I mean, yeah. um, you get you – get, I think it's cool that we – there's in the USL between championship and league one, we have a lot of these former U.S. men's national team uh, players that have now jumped in in some way, shape or form with Landon at San Diego uh, loyal. You know, we just talked about Charlie Davies doing the New Hampshire team and then DeMarcus Beasley coming in. That's his hometown, right? Fort Wayne. Yeah. So coming in and, and wanting to invest in, in our league and starting as a, a two team to get their foothold and then making the jump after a couple of years. I, I think it's awesome. I mean, it says a lot about our league when, when guys that played at the highest level, you know, in our country and internationally are able to, are, are able to see the promise of, of a league our size. Absolutely. I, I do. I do love to see these uh, former, former national team, former U S stars, coming into the USL and taking different roles. You you know, they're all jumping in at an ownership level at least, but then you've got Landon who's coaching. You've got Tim Howard, who's giving up six goals in his first uh, appearance <laughs> in the USL. Uh, you have DeMarcus Beasley moving in strictly at an ownership level. It's, a, it's yep. exciting. Uh, very, very much there to, to continue this potential for growth. But I think it says a little bit to the amount that uh, our guys aren't getting paid enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would <laughs> actually say that. I thought it was a brilliant insight when I just thought about it. What does it say yeah. when Beckham can afford an MLS franchise and America's greatest are, you know, able to handle USL one and, you know, maybe championship? Yeah. 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 No, I mean, you know, Beckham playing for uh, PSG and Real Madrid and Manchester United. I mean, I think the dude banked his money. Sweet deal when he came over as one of the first uh, designated players for MLS. Well, and let's not let's not forget that um, 
you know, his wife, had, even though their uh, gr- their group didn't last a really long time, I'm guessing that the Spice Girls probably still pull some royalty money, and she's probably still making some cash. So they're not hurting financially on either side. But he's got some. I mean, all money coming in. I I, I see it. Honestly, I, I like to look at it more that MLS. Yeah, maybe they're pricing out their our own international players and our and their own former players. Yeah, I like to look at it people too. who like soccer. Yeah, I, I think they're guys that they're like, okay, USL has a structure and a way of doing things that doesn't US League One with our independent teams, we get to there are some things we have to follow, but we get to kind of do what we want, right? Yeah. And if you're MLS, you have to follow the MLS model and a lot of those kits start looking the same and a lot of the, um, and bad, you know, the, the, yeah. And bad. And the merch starts looking and eventually it all kind of looks assimilated and looks the same where, you know, we, we give Madison a hard time for having eight kits, but on the flip side, they're able to do that because they're an independent team and a league that allows them to have that freedom right now. Well, yeah. And, and, and flexibility that happens when you choose a smaller provider who you're a bigger deal for than a, you know, an Adidas. Oh, for sure. No, and, and I mean, we're we're kind of in the same boat with Nike. We're we're limited on what we have for options. But I have to say, I, yeah. I'm excited for for what I'm hearing about the 2021 kits. And here, moving up, I, I think we're we're going to see a significantly better range in the Midwest for what we're looking at driving wise and where how big our market's going to become. I personally, looking at a few other expansion teams that haven't been announced, but I'm I, I'm feeling I'm feeling good. I'm I'm I'll roll the dice for him. I, I think we're gonna see a Wichita. Um I think we're gonna see a Fayetteville. Probably Sioux Falls. Uh, Fayetteville, baby. I'm really yep. excited about that one. That's six hours away, has world class mountain biking. Oh yeah. You know, I mean get down there and you know, you you'd probably get the some Walmart discounts. Do you guys think we're gonna see any more C teams drop down? Uh rumor has it on Charlotte. <laughs> Uh, but wait, well, Chad, what does the rumor have? Charlotte getting an MLS team, building a new soccer specific stadium for the USL team. It makes no sense to have one a championship and an MLS there for if you're investing that much money into a stadium and you still need to turn that money. Mm-hmm. You, Not so, in Charlotte, anyway. You know, maybe well, in your LA's and New York's, you can get away with it, but yeah. But but throw it at a USL one level where you're paying half or less the costs. Sure. Yeah, over I, I mean I think one and a that'd half be a good one. Teams drop down for 2021. Over under on one and a half. Yeah. I, I think we're for I think we've seen our 2021 drops. Yeah, I think it's under. I think I think NCFC just because they wanted to be at 12. Um, with Toronto likely being back and then losing OCB, I think that NCFC was. It was an easy move for them financially, and it made sense for the league. Yeah. I mean, it, Cary, North Carolina fits better with our profile. Yeah. Fun fact, my wife's uh, cousins were born and raised in Cary, North Carolina, which is half the reason why I have an NCFC scarf. They all live in North. Uh, they all live in Virginia Beach now, but um, that's why they were kind of my champion, adopted championship team was because I had a family connection there, but now I have to not like them. Well, we, we've got a lot lot more potential talk on the, these expansion teams. And, you know, you can always check out more on our blog. We, we've got a couple of great articles coming out in, in the near future um, on expansion teams. So so keep an eye out there. But, uh, Ben, why don't, why don't you tee us up for this interview? Absolutely. So I talked with 
the man himself, Tyler David, I think it was in September, early September. And the intention on my part was to um, do a piece, uh, an off-topic piece, similar to what I had done with Jake Crawl. But I'll be honest, the workload was pretty daunting. And then, you know, one thing led to another, and then the season was over. Anyway, so now we got a little, uh, with a little extra content in the can for you guys. Uh, we're going to just turn it into an interview, thanks to Riley. And it's great. We talk about all kinds of stuff. Um, know what he likes to do outside of the team and I had a lot of questions about his role as the union rep um, and sort of what his passions were around that and so um, it was a good time and I think you guys will enjoy it and it does remind me that we have several other interviews uh, ready to go your way I think we have uh, at least two or three the journeys in the can as well beautiful uh, and then awesome. you can always find us and all of our contact info at wghmedia.com now, we're, we're going to turn it over to you, Ben, with Tyler David. Let's start, uh, let's start with your health. How are you feeling? You're coming off an injury, right? I am. Uh, I uh, tore my adductor longus off the bone uh, last April 17th. I had okay. surgery on May 31st. Okay. Um, and yeah, so it's about... It was about a four-month recovery of physical therapy before I was able to get back on the field. Um, and I didn't play at all last year, so this was my first games. And I think it was, like, dating back to the New England game, that was my first full 90 minutes in, like, 450 days or something. Oof. So are you, are you like, back in it now? Yeah, I would say I still do a lot of rehab and stuff. I had a little hiccup uh, in our miniature preseason where – I was out a little bit, but for the most part, I feel good. Um, still do a lot of strengthening stuff, and there's still a lot of scar tissue um, inside my groin, but for the most part, I feel great. So, Fair enough. That's good. Good. Would you have been ready to go at the start of – had the season started? When yeah, it yeah, I think I would have. Uh, as you saw, I played a bunch of preseason games and yeah. everything. Um, I think it just would have been a little more monitoring, you know, and even during the short season, you know, there's been – games where I haven't been in the 18 and stuff like that but I think it would have been a lot more just week to week seeing how it's going but I felt really good going into the season at the end of the preseason so cool well let's talk uh speaking of the last game you know you guys had uh some pregame action that you did were you involved in planning that at all I was uh I was yeah I was probably the main person involved in planning the whole thing um I'm on the I'm our rep for the USLPA. I'm on the new USL Players Black Alliance, um, and so there was the two days before the match. We had oh Lord, we had a three hour we had a three hour uh, phone conversation. All of us on the alliance over probably over 70 guys, kind of deciding what we were going to do. Um, and it, as you can imagine, it was championship and league one. Yeah. So coming to a decision that made sense for every single club was really difficult. Um, and yeah, so I talked with coach about it and we, we wanted to do something different that would kind of appeal to everybody in Omaha and make a statement to everybody in Omaha. And, um, we, we messed around with some ideas that I thought of locking arms. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, I thought locking arms with the other team at the center circle. We decided that we were just doing a straight line and we would just spin so everybody in the stadium could see us at one point or another. Um, 
I, I thought it worked out pretty well. I don't know what what everybody else yeah. like in the stadium, but I thought it was a pretty positive message. Um, and it, my big thing is I didn't want to, you know, we didn't want to take away from the game because once we're in the game, it's our job. Like, I understand the protesting, but when I'm in the game, I think I should focus on the game. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it was – so what, when it started happening on, like, Wednesday or Thursday night, you know, I, I think for myself – like, you know, curious what, you know, we were going to do as a side. And then, you know, if there's a lot of online chatter and, like, there have been in-stadium incidents and, like, you know, so I was, I was interested to see what you guys would do. And I, I was pleased that you guys went a route that sort of didn't put anybody in jeopardy or conflict with fans, right? Like, if you look at what happened in Dallas, like, you could have predicted that was happening, right? Like, that people were going to be upset that people were kneeling. And so... I like that you guys did something that allowed everybody to focus on the game. For sure. Well, whatever. For sure. So I was, um, cool. So, yeah, the USL Black Players Alliance, you're part of that. How did that come about? How did you get involved? Um, that's been, I think that's been in the process for a long time. I don't know how long, but you know the MLS has a coalition. I think that's kind of what spurred it on. Um, probably give a shout-out to Brandon Miller and uh, Hugh Roberts in particular of Charlotte Independence. They're Probably, they were probably very influential. I know they were very influential in like, getting in contact with players and uh, forming the alliance. So it's been, it's been weeks or months in the making, and finally we all got in a group and got together and were able to announce ourselves. The timing just happened to work out that way. That, that was, yeah, that yeah so that's about. been a plan for... Yeah, so that was, that was actually... We had already been in conversations just in general for the organization a week prior to... Uh, week prior to the Jacob Blake incident and so then that just kind of like the NBA did their thing where they didn't play and it just kind of got thrown on to us last minute that we got to do something yeah um but yeah that's been it's been really beneficial I think um a lot of champ USL championship players not as many league one I don't know very many league one players I know a ton of players in the championship from my experience but um it's been been really beneficial. We're on the phone quite a bit, figuring things out and trying to trying to move forward as an organization. Do you think the amount of sort of super young players in League One makes a difference as well? I do. Um, think about a guy like Justin Shea for North Texas, right? Yeah. Like 16 years old. Like yeah, and it's kind of yeah. I think the maturity level. Not that those players are immature, but like. If I'm looking at myself when I was 21 in St. Louis FC, yeah, my maturity level, I probably would have wanted to be probably involved, but very like on the outskirts, just like a part of it. Your ability to contribute is less. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, like I was thinking about that. Like you know, you're 16, like you're still living at home. It's crazy that you're on like a professional travel schedule. Yeah. Like you know, how do you get involved with? Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, how did you uh, end up being? So you are our union rep. For the league, yeah. Um, how did how did that happen? How'd that come about? Um, I just got so I have I have a background with the with the union with the guys on the union. Um, just from past teams I've been on and past things that have happened. Uh, so I've, this I've, where I linked that hard article from last year. I've been in contact with them quite a bit, uh, and so Cody Lorendi just reached out to me and was like, "Do you want to be our, the union rep for Union Omaha?" Like I said, my background of the championship makes it really easy because the union is tied together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they all know me already, and so 
it was a simple, you know, one of our more experienced guys and like somebody who knows everybody on the unit, so it was pretty simple. Have you, I have a couple of questions about this, like, um, one, like, have you found it, like, have you enjoyed the work? And then two, I have some questions about just like, are you guys bargaining with championship or uh, separately? Let's start with that one. Like, are you, so you guys, as League One Union, you guys are separate or the same? The, uh, when, a, when, if and when a bargaining agreement is reached, there'll be a separate agreement okay. for championship, a separate agreement for League One. Okay. Um, are the, so they're negotiating essentially in two tracks. Yeah. Um, kind of with, you know, as you saw kind of with the COVID thing, the championship kind of takes the lead role in everything, and League One more follows suit, just from what I've seen. I mean, I'm not in all those meetings with them and everything, um, but that's kind of how I take it is championship leads the way, League One kind of follows suit, but is catered to how League One should operate. Yeah, and I think... Um, just on size of the league, right? Championships three times the size of League One. Yeah. Um, do teams are, you know, so you're part of the you're the union rep. Are the teams with championship or uh, what am I trying to ask? I'm trying to figure out if MLS teams participate at sort of the same rate and same involvement, like MLS two sides as independent teams. With the union? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes, they do. So everybody has their own rep. So. For example, Toronto too had to drop off. They're still in our meetings. They're still part of the union. But yes, they nice. Um, have you enjoyed that work that you've been doing? I love it. Um, I actually applied for a job within the players' union of the entire championship and League One. Um, just finding a way to make a difference because I've been through. I mean. I tell our younger guys, like, when I, even though it's only been five years, it's like when I started out, things were a lot different in the league. Yeah, no, it's, and I mean. Like, so the growth and, like, the, mat the maturation process of teams, of clubs, of owners, of players, all of it has been really hard, hard work but enjoyable work, and, like, I love to be involved in that stuff. That's awesome. What is your sort of, how often are you doing something for the union? How often are you communicating to the guys on the team? I, I try to be as open been with the guys on the team as much as I can during COVID before during the quarantine whatever before we started our preseason when each club was different we were having meetings all the time to try and figure it out now that the season has started it's slowed down quite a bit um and it's I think they try to do it on a once a month basis have a like a, a call for an hour or two and discuss whatever's happened within their legal works and all that um but yeah whenever Whenever something comes up, I try to be as transparent with the guys as possible just so we're all on the same page uh, and they don't feel out of the dark with anything that's going on. That's good. That's good. Um, do you have, like, how's the buy-in from the other folks? Like, you know, there's a lot of first-time professionals, like, a lot of guys who, I guess, not many people come in from outside leagues, but, like, a lot of guys in the league already, like, um, do you have good buy-in from everybody? Uh, our players? As far, yeah, as far as our players, yeah, I, I think we do. I think I think our players, I think we all respect each other quite a bit as a team if you've been around us. And, like, they know I've been around for a while, so they respect my opinions and what I tell them. Um, I think it's also been a learning process. You know, a lot of them just cut out the call. Yeah, like, well, yeah. No, right? I, like, 
but we're still in college, yeah, right? Like, like, there's a there's a players union that you know, like, yeah, not they're just it's just a new thing for them, like being a professional and a union, and and then we have COVID and like it's been a really weird year. So, yeah, yeah. Um, as much of a learning, but it, as much as it is for them, it is for me as well. We're all just learning together, but I think I think for the most part the vibe has been really good. Good. My wife was a teacher for six years. And like right out of college, and like same thing. She's like, "Wait, I have to join a union? Like, what's this all about? Like, yeah, we might have to go on strike. Are you serious? Yeah. Like, it's a crazy." Yeah, and with the COVID, and with you know, you saw in the championship. I think it was that they almost weren't getting that the pay was going to change, and like yeah. other professional leagues, and like so it was it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember. Uh, I remember the like. I was I was relieved when the pay was going to be kept the same because it just seemed like. It, that was like I, again. You look at like all the expenses that a club has, and at least at the USL level, I don't have a lot of visibility into what payroll was, but like, um, or and like what other costs were, but like the players' bills, not like a meaningful portion of the. I mean, it is, but it's not like it's not like uh, you know, like an NBA team, right? Where like your play, payroll is like. Yeah, yeah, and like 60, 70, 80% of your operating budget. Like, it's just, you know, sure. it's whatever night in August. You guys are in Chattanooga. Uh, it starts raining. I don't know where you are at this point in time in the game, but, like, one of the things that I was thinking about, like, this eventual interview, I'm like, I really want to ask Tyler, like, what is your involvement in the decision or in the decision-making and whatever's going on before that game is a union rep? Or are you just, like... As far as playing it? yeah. Zero. Okay. Yeah, it's it's up to the. I think uh, there's like a weather coordinator on site or whatever, and the referees, and then it comes down to the coaches. Okay. Because one of the things we'd heard was their initial plan was like, if we can't play a game that night, we'll play it the next morning. But because Chattanooga was going to play again on Saturday or whatever, yeah. like there was some concern about the frequency and like. And I thought I'd heard something about like the union wouldn't let the players play, but then I was like, under what, like, what what set of rules is going to... If that happened, it didn't happen to my knowledge. Yeah, yeah, no, I, fair enough. I have no yeah. involvement in it. Because, yeah, I was like, I don't know if I ever heard Matt say that or what, but I was like, wait, I mean, like, it makes sense, right? You're like, oh, that's a good rule. Like, of course, the union would be interested in player safety like that. And then I was riding home and I was like, wait a minute, what mechanism would they have to, like, yeah. listen to the union? Like, well, and I... It's for, it's important to differentiate. Like even though I'm our player rep, I'm technically not on the committee, like the committee yeah, of the exactly. union. So that committee probably maybe had some input on that decision. Yeah. But until I mean maybe they would reach out just to keep me in the loop. But other than that, I wouldn't be. Yeah. Able to no, no. I'm just like you know wondering. You guys are in whatever like hut or shack they have you squeezed into there. Like yeah. you know, are you trying to like get your mind right for a game and also like yeah, no. you know advocate for everybody? And we were we were on the bus fortunately there. I think I'd heard that they moved you back on the bus. Yeah. Like, it was a tight. <laughs> oh, that's a separate. Uh, that's a separate thing. So, um, you know, you've been like I uh, talked about how 2020 has sort of been a different year. One of the things that's been going on is obviously uh, reawakening of America to like you know issues of systemic racism. You've been pretty involved with a bunch of different things. Uh, let's start with uh, TV talks. So you've been doing those for about 12 weeks now? Yeah, I think we're at, yeah, I think last week was 12. I 
actually I was looking for somebody today. I'm gonna maybe push it to tomorrow, but this would be week 13, I think. So. Nice. Yeah. So, um, what what sort of motivated you to start this? So I've this has always been a topic that I've been very uh, that's been very important, near and dear to my heart, just because of my experiences and yeah. a lot of my education. Um, I was. I was almost a double major in African American studies, so I have a historical background, educational background on a lot of issues in America and the world. And um, I've always, I well, I talked about this on one of my talks actually. When um, I think it was Michael Brown, when Colin Kaepernick, no, mm-hmm. I was thinking about kneeling in the USL game, and I was just like, I don't really have pull like that, like. He's on a national level. Like, is it really worth it? And I like I wrote this huge Twitter post about why I chose not to. And like since then, I'll, I'll like post things here and there, and you know, like speak to people about my experiences. And so when George Floyd was murdered, it obviously hit really close to home because it happened down the street from where I like <laughs> I drive past her every day. So when I'm back home, um, and then you see all the riots and you see all the protests and everything going on in the country and I was like I need to be doing more than just posting on social media so the first thing I did was I posted a three minute video just explaining my thoughts on everything that an initial video like a day later and I was thinking about it and I was talking with my friend Sean Reynolds who actually played in the USL for like eight years I think um, and he, he mentioned something about like talking on Instagram and I was like Right then, I was like, I think I want to do that every week. And I was like, I want to do it every day, but I don't want the momentum of this moment to just die down in a couple of weeks. So I decided, even though I had a million things to say, I could have talked for 10 hours that first week. you got to pace yourself. I said, I'm going to do it once a week. And once a week. And ironic, not ironically, I don't know if that's the right word, but three months later, last week, here we are again. Dad. And I've been able to continue this momentum at least as far and then now it's just going to spike up again. I think people are, you know, because people do lose interest when, like, an issue goes away for a little bit. But I think that consistent conversation, I've gotten a lot of great feedback. And now that three months later, it's in the forefront of the news again. Um, it's been really beneficial, and I think I'll carry some more momentum going into the next 12 weeks that I do it. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think it's going to... Police tell so many people every year. Yeah. It's, it's not going to... No matter how many times it dies down, there's now this like template format to respond to it as a community, and like I think, I, it's, I mean, it's going to keep happening until real change happens. And police brutality is one of the big issues, but race in general is a huge issue, and like just bias and oppression and systematic oppression. You yeah. Might, that's like huge for me, and so. Um, you know, I want people, but I want people from all different backgrounds to speak to me. I've kind of done a poor job of that. It's been mostly black people who have spoken to me on Instagram. But, like, I want people from all different races, backgrounds, to just come give their opinion and have a safe space to speak and ask questions and to gain knowledge and to challenge what I think or me to challenge what they think um, so we can just all grow and be better from just learning from each other. Um... When are you gonna When are you gonna turn it into a podcast? Whenever I get a computer. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, that would. I mean, ultimately, you know, 
I want to speak. I want to be a public speaker when I'm done playing. So whether I'm probably a motivational type of speaker, but um, yeah, whether it's YouTube or a podcast, ultimately that's the goal. But yeah. I don't even have a computer right now. Yeah, so fair enough. Instagram works in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. I just am always like, man, I want to watch this, but like, I'll like start watching and I'll like turn my screen off and it'll be done. I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I save them all on there as well, so I think quite a few people go back and watch them. But they have a huge point. number of views, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like I the think the last one I saw, like, went and checked out a couple days later, it's like 250 views or something. Yeah, I so. think anywhere from usually 200 to 400 on, you know. So, I mean, obviously people tune in and tune out, and some people watch the whole thing, some people don't, but it's been, it's been very positive. It's been more positive for me probably than anybody who's came on and spoken to me or anybody who's listened, maybe not, but I've learned so much and grown myself. Well, and like that, you know, again, if the goal is to, like, do something like that when you're done, building those reps now, it's huge. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, yeah, what's going to change. For sure. Um... One of the other things that came out of it is uh, the United for Equality t-shirt. Do you want to just uh, talk through, like, what sort of what you thought, what led you to that idea? Let's start there. Yeah. Um, so my friends, uh, Bobby and Allie, live in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, um, where I formerly played. And they have a two-year-old daughter, and they're, Bobby is, I would say Bobby in general is more kind of reserved and, like, he didn't really want to go to a protest or something like that. Um, and so they were like, we want to do something where we can make a difference, though. And Bobby's a graphic art designer, a really good one for people who have seen the shirts. And they're like, we want to make shirts. Like, can you help us, like, kind of get the word out there? And I said, I said, of course. I said, let's come up with some designs. Let's send them out, see, what, see the feedback we get on the design. So I sent out eight designs via social media. Then let's come up with our design and then bring it to a bunch of people, see what it looks like, see, and then we'll make it and we'll send it out and then let's find an organization where we can donate all the money to because ultimately we're not doing it just to make money. We're doing it to spread awareness, to bring awareness to a cause. Um, and so, yeah, that's the original thing that happened. They just hit me up one day. They're like, we want to do this. Can you help us? And I was like, of course. Beautiful. And it's been pretty successful. I think I saw $800 so far. Yeah, we're at, um, I actually sold a few more today, so we're probably closer to $900 uh, able to donate to the Innocence Project. Uh, I have about 65 to 70 t-shirts left, so when, after all the, you know, I've covered all the shipping and things like that, so I've covered on the front end. And so the back end will have even more to donate to, so I'll probably get around 1500 to 1700 when it's all said and done. Beautiful. Um, yeah. And why'd you choose the Edison's Project? We, I looked through, well, we looked through like 30 different organizations. You know, you have BLM, you have NAACP, you have, you have everything. Um, but the Innocence Project just hit home, which I'll just describe really yeah. quick. Uh, Innocence Project, um, the Innocence Project is an organization who from DNA evidence mostly helps exonerate uh, falsely convicted criminals. So a couple days ago I actually just posted um, a man who was falsely convicted of murder 37 years ago when he was 18 years old just got released. And so yeah, he was talking about how his life I mean, yeah. is it 37 years ago? Like, look, I can't imagine being locked up and coming out no. into the world 37 years later. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it was just seemed like a really good organization doing great things all around the country. Um, 
and it just stood out to us more than any other one. Nice. I, I mean, I think it's a great choice. Um, and so you actually uh, you went you went out and delivered T-shirts by hand as well. I did. I did. It it helped me with shipping costs. Hey, I mean, yeah. No. I more money to donate. Um, but yeah, I thought it was important that the people that I'm at least close to in Omaha right now and. Nebraska knew that I really appreciated their support, and so I just felt it was necessary to hand deliver all the ones that I could. I uh, I heard a lot of positive, uh, a lot of positive feedback from other supporters about it as well. So thought it was a good choice. Um, do you like the t-shirt business? Is that uh, is that a part of the future plans? Or, uh, you know what? It could be. I like I like to dabble in a lot of different stuff. Um, it's been a lot of hard work. It's been a great learning experience, as far as like just an entre- entrepreneurial experience. Yeah. Um, and so it's been really cool. It's been like I said, it's been a lot of work, but yeah. If um, you know, I was talking to Armando at Lingo Docs. Shout out to Lingo Docs for helping us out with the shirts. Um, and he's like, yeah, if you guys have another design, let's go for it. So if Bobby and if Bobby wants to make another design or if they want to go, I'm more than happy to do something else where we could sell another 250 T-shirts for a good cause. So. Love it. I think that's, that's all that was on my list. What else, uh, what else sort of drives your time outside of soccer? Ooh. I love basketball. Okay. <laughs> basketball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like NBA right now. I'm so happy it's back. Oh, my, by my contract, I can't play basketball outside of. But um, yeah, all sports I kind of surround myself with. Um, I'm I'm a I'm a Christian. I'm big into my faith, so I'm, I do Bible study every morning with one of my best friends. Um, and do a lot of reading out of the Bible. Uh, do some Bible studies. Uh, I am a huge writer as well. I haven't been writing recently. Um, when I played in Finland, actually, I had a lot of free time. So I started writing a book about myself. Sounds like you have a lot of free time. Yeah, I started writing a book about myself, actually. And just I don't. I wrote uh, quite a bit, and I was like, no one's going to want to read this. But like, I think it'll lead into something else. Eventually, I'll be writing, nice. hopefully, books eventually. So. Uh, have you found a church locally? I have. I've, I went to four different churches so far. Um, so I, uh, whenever I go to a new city, I like to kind of go yeah, yeah, out to Christ Community Church uh, the first time. Then I went to um, Lifegate Church in okay. the town. Yep. Um, Corndale. Corndale was the okay. third one. And Corndale is the one where I do a Bible study there okay. as well. Um, actually, J.J. Koval, who lives in Nebraska now, he played for Sacramento. I played against him five years ago. <laughs> And he was drafted by San Jose Earthquakes back in the day. Um, so I'm really cool with him now and his wife. Um, and then Jake on the team also goes there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we've met a bunch of cool people from that church. And then I also went to Dream City Church okay. um, over off the West Center, uh, actually, like two weeks ago. Um, and that was a really cool experience, too. But I would call Cormdale kind of the home, home nice. place right now. Nice. Um, who's your basketball team? Or like, it's in, are you I following mean, the NBA like a modern NBA it, thing? The Timberwolves has to be since I'm from Minneapolis, but Minnesota's terrible. So every yeah, every yeah, year. even even um, when you think they won't be. Yeah, I'm a I'm just a really big fan. Like I like to watch good basketball. I could see myself being a basketball coach one day, to be nice. honest. Um, who do I think's gonna win the championship? I cool. still gotta go with my Lakers. I can't go against LeBron. 
I'm a big LeBron fan. Uh, but Kevin Garnett's my favorite player. Okay. Of all time. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I uh, I feel like there was this time period where like any time during COVID where like literally any time of day you could put on a soccer game from somewhere yep. in the world and that was awesome and then like it finished up and I was like starting to feel a little bit and then the NBA playoffs came in and it's been like whatever week where they were playing four games a day I was like this is glorious like Amazing. any time of day I can put on an NBA game for sure so we've been put it on after the kids go to bed but like I, I I'd say NBA is my second maybe third sport but like the writing NBA level writing is like by far I would I say I'd probably read more I spend more time reading about the NBA than I do actually watching it yeah there's yeah, like they so many good writers. writers yeah for sure for sure so you, you know you grew up in Minnesota went to school St. Louis Omaha sort of in between has it been a big adjustment living here not really. This is, a, this is a smaller city than what I'm used to, um, but St. Louis is actually not huge either. Um, but yeah, this is the closest I've been to home since I was 18. Crazy. Yeah, so I kind of made my way around everywhere, went to Europe, came back, was on the East Coast. Um, so, it's, I mean, I haven't been able to really go home because of COVID. Yeah, I was going to say, probably haven't been able to take advantage uh, yeah, of that My family's been able to come to the games at home, so that's been cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a weird year, you know. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to that. And special thanks to Tyler David. Um, like, what an incredible human being. Uh, sad that he's not with us next year, and I cannot wait to see what comes next for him, both personally and professionally. I think he's going to do awesome things in this world. So uh, I only have one other question for you guys. Um, who gives a hoot? We, we do. do. We do.